Hello, Alan. Hey, hello, Andy. How have you been this past week? Uh, not bad, not bad. Because um, yeah. last we spoke, you know, there were a few things happening. Well, I mean, it's gotten, it's gotten more strict. Um, oh, yeah. Locked things right. down here, mm -hmm. so. Um, but it was the right thing to do, so you know, mm. uh, show must go on. Yes, so kind of definitely. Pushing through things. Yeah, it was only five days ago, right? The announcement in Singapore about the circuit breaker, they call it. Yeah, they call it a circuit breaker, but mm. that's just code for lockdown. It's a lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. All right, welcome guys. This is episode number three, and the how do you spell esports podcast with me, mm -hmm. Andy, and of course, Mr. Alan Cho. Happy to have you again, Mr. Alan Cho. Uh, you're uh, happy to be here, Mr. Andy. <laughs> okay, since we started off with lockdown, uh, I th I would love to talk about it for a few minutes. Okay. I scrolled through LinkedIn earlier today and I saw a few people, practitioners in the esports industry, um, also those who are on the tangents, like uh, in the live events space. Mm. And it's disheartening to see that a few people are getting laid off. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's unfortunate. And there was actually one more video that I saw that was very interesting. I think it was put together by a few video editors that uh, who were employed but are now unemployed. And so what I'm going with this is why don't we talk about jobs or roles in the esports slash live events industry that could, uh, I guess, bloom? I don't know what the right word is. I guess mm. flourish? I don't know, man, but you get... You get what I mean, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, that could flourish. Well, I, I think um, online organizers are going to flourish. Right. Those people with that, <laughs> okay. that particular skill who yep. can operate uh, competitions remotely. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're going to do pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I think casters are still going to do all right mm. if they can do their trade. Um, you know, anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I think those are a couple of areas that might might do pretty well, right. or at least hold up all right during uh, during this trying time. Yeah, that makes sense because they 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 are uh, capable of doing that online, right? Um, even I think I saw Riot, if I wasn't mistaken, with their home studio. Like an actual mm -hmm. broadcast studio just at home. That, I think, was very interesting when I saw it because then it's pushing the boundaries uh, of what is available for organizers, developers, and uh, basically uh, the production side of things. Whereas before, we... we, we I think we got used to seeing production studios being a very on-the-site thing, but now it can be done remotely. Do you think the production value will diminish? Because of um, that? you know, I, 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 I have a different. Um, I have a question on that one. I do. Ooh. I mean, how important are production values? Hmm. Like what do the what does the audience really expect in production value? Mm. Um, certainly, you know, without question, for you know, high-level professional esports like yep. TI and what Riot does, there's an expectation that there's a studio. Yep. Um, you know, you've got replays and you know, stats and all the things that you would expect at you know high-level CS:GO play. I right? just at a professional, professional level for their proper leagues and proper professional teams. Yeah. Okay. No question. Production value is expected by the audience. Mm -hmm. But you know, you get to regional, country level, you know, community level, grassroots level. Um, it's not clear to me. I think you know everyone wants to do the very best that they can. You know, everyone would love to have 
uh, a studio setting with a nice backdrop, green screen, yeah. you know, being able to do all those things. Um, but does that, um, you know, is that all, is that really add a lot of value to, you know, those, those competitions? And is that what the audience expects? And I'm not, it's not clear to me that, okay. um, you know, uh, that that's going to be something that we're, where the audience and go, oh yeah, if it doesn't have that, you know, X, Y, Z, then, you know, I'm not going to watch, watch right, it. Right. So it's more like a requirement point of view, you know, what's the baseline that's acceptable, I guess. But then you also have to work on the things that, you know, like just you mentioned, the things that the audience actually care about and want to have. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's not clear to me. Mm. Like, I don't think anyone's ever done a study or, or pulled a community. Like, what is really important to you right. for sports mm. cast or an eSport? Like, of course, yeah, I think there are some basic hygiene things. Like, yeah, it'd be great if it started on time. Yes. <laughs> it'd be great. You know, it needs to be on a uh, viewing platform that I can receive, you know, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, depending on the country. Right. Um, the cast, ideally, is in my local language. Um, mm. you know, so there, there are basic things like that, that, uh, of course you, you, you should as, uh, as a tournament organizer be able to fulfill, but beyond that, um, you know, uh, does it need a studio? Does it need replays? Does it need stats? Does it need, um, you know, all the bells and whistles that you would, that kind of professional, right. uh, does it need a trailer, right? Does it need a nice right, right. graphic opening, mm -hmm. uh, crazy overlays, um, I don't know. Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, um, you know what the baseline is. Right. And I say that because um, when you do it, it, all those things are hard. I mean, having uh, you, you yourself having done it and, you know, us as well, mm -hmm. you know, even those little things like an, uh, a really nice overlay, that, that's not a trivial thing. No. I don't know if the audience understands what goes into that, but let's just say that it, it takes time and effort to do those things, um, let alone replays or highlight videos or, or those type of things. They all require time and effort. And uh, when you're a very small organizer, right, you, you, you don't have the resources to do everything, so you end up choosing. Right. And I've heard some organizers say, oh, we have to have A, we have to have B, and we have to have, um, you know, uh, a really nice video intro. Um, do you, or or is it? Would that time be better spent? Um, let's say, uh, really having your turning ops nailed down so that uh, the break between matches is as minimal as possible, and mm -hmm. people can just kind of continue to watch. Mm -hmm. Right, which is more important? Um, I think that's an interesting conversation to have nice. with with viewers um me as a viewer i can tell you like i hate the weights i just sorry, hate the it what? the the waiting between matches oh right the breaks right the breaks like you yeah. never know how long it's going to be <laughs> right and this is a problem with esports oh well in events in general i guess like it, it is right um but i you know having been behind the scenes um proper ops can minimize that right right you know, um, when you have, you know, not to get too technical about it, sure. but you have multiple brackets going on, you have multiple mm. matches going on, um, being ready to switch over to another match, right? When one match is over mm -hmm. um, or having teams ready up, you know, after their match is done to have them ready up and yep. ready to go. Um, you know, these are little things in the back that, you know, make a huge difference in terms of tournament operations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think w what viewers appreciate and what they, um, the, the fruit of that preparation and that work is that viewers get to see more action more frequently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's like, you know, oh, we'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes. It's like, what? <laughs> 20 right, minutes? Right, right, right. Uh, dude, I'm telling <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, maybe I'm not going to wait around for that. No, definitely not gonna wait. And the you know when right. the screen shows a timer, a timer minutes, down, twenty down. minutes. I'm not. Well, I mean that's if you have a timer at all. Oftentimes <laughs> it's like you know we'll we'll be back when we're back. We'll be back. Like, yeah, right, right. We'll be just a we'll be back, and you're like, yeah, um, 
okay, I guess I'm going to play a game, you know, in the right. meantime. And, may, and maybe if it comes back, uh, I'll go back and watch it or maybe not. Okay. So I, I think those things, you know, that's just me talking. I, that's what I would appreciate. Right. Um, I would appreciate that when they say they're going to start at three, they start at three. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I don't know. And I, and, and, and I think different people have different preferences. So it would be, it'd be really interesting to hear from audiences. Like yes, what's important for them. That's right. You know, the, the nice uh, video of, you know, the, the, the skyline of Singapore and, you know, this animated graphic. Yeah. Is that, is that important? Right. Hmm. Or, or are other things more important because they all take time. They do. Ooh. Wow. Where do we go from this? I think part of me says I want to talk about it, but do you want to talk about it, Alan? Like the high G level or, you know, the viewer experience. Is there more to talk about or is there like, is that like it? And then we have to kind of engage with the audience more. I'm not sure that maybe you're just, everyone gets bored hearing about the nuts and bolts behind all that stuff. Sure. Um, I like I said, I don't know the answer. I would like to hear from the audience what okay. they think is the minimum hygiene. So, all right, all right. You know, maybe their comments or something. I'd love to read those later on, and then we can you know discuss more about what they talk about. Maybe I'm completely wrong. You know, maybe. that's true. <laughs> that's true. We might be totally off the mark. Well, let's talk about something we know about then. Um, how about we talk about that? You know, same element from an organized well not exactly an organizer's point of view but more like uh, the behind the scenes Mm. um what has been a challenge you feel uh for i guess organizers since since you work with a few organizers right over at meta um have you had the chance to uh, figure out what the challenges are and what these smaller organizers would actually love to have in terms of solutions or in terms of uh, processes that can help them produce better events, content, whatsoever? I, you know, I, I've, uh, it's it, the way I would answer it is there isn't any, um, it's hard to find help. Mm. So, um, like there's no real course you can take to learn what it what's involved in organizing a competition. Like most of the organizers that we've worked with, and many of them are very experienced, it's they learn a, either by doing, or it was like a tribal, um, you know, sensei student type of thing. They happen to know someone who knew how, what they're doing. They learn from that person, mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, they. That's how they got started, and, they, and then they learned on the job, um, which is uh, which is fine. But mm. it means that there really is no, in, there aren't aren't many industry standards. Right, right. Everyone has their preference in tools. Everyone has their preference in um, formats and how they do things. And they each work, right? And, and they each work mm-hmm. some more efficiently than others. Yep. But. It's kind of like, well, I wish I could, like, uh, there are best practices that don't get shared, I guess what I'm mm. Right? Well, yeah, I've noticed that, you know, some people are really good at A and B. Right. Um, and the people that are good at A would love to be better at B, but they don't have no idea who to talk to about it. <laughs> right. you, you get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, so, definitely. Um, I, I think, you know, which is a long way of saying, there would be great if there was more training. Training. There was some place mm. to learn, um, um, in a in a structured way, right? You know how to do all the multiple things that a, a good proper organizer um, should be able to do, mm. um, and there isn't. And I think that's that's what makes it even doubly hard. Yes. Um, you know, you have some you have some organizers that are great at production, like they're good at doing graphics mm-hmm. and they're good at using the software tools um, but maybe not so good at turning ops mm-hmm. um, or promotion 
or finding sponsors, right? Which is all kind of part of the organizer right. gig. Um, and most small organizers are, you know, one or two people, mm. um, usually one actually. And then, and then right. maybe they have a couple other friends that help them out. <laughs> friends, um, yes. but it's very rare to have by themselves. Right. Yeah. Ooh, that is actually a very interesting point. I'd like to jump on, uh, in my experience, Alan, there are secrets that I think just isn't let out, isn't being let out by anyone in the industry. Do you think that is how it should be? Or do you think people should be more willing to share uh, quote-unquote secrets or more best practices? You know, as you said, organizers who are good at A or B, they're kind of protective of that that's what i'm getting mm. i'm not sure how you uh how, how you take that but would you um, say it's very true okay. it's very very true um like i was um even at the highest level mm. the biggest organizers in the world are extremely protective of their yeah of their processes i was in behind that i was i went to i'm not going to name any names sure but i was <laughs> i was at a, a fairly major event and you know i was the, the organizer was light, nice enough to give us a backstage tour. Okay. And, um, but, you know, once we got to their production area, curtained off, not allowed in, didn't want you to see anything, Ooh. right? Like, literally, do not go in there. You cannot see. Like, wow. But it, it, not, not that if I saw, I would know what the hell was going on. Forget <laughs> right. it. Like, no, you're not going back there. That's how, that's how protective they are because mm -hmm. that's really, in their eyes, it's their secret sauce. Um. And I, I think, you know, we're at the, it, on the one hand, I totally understand because of course um, that's how they make their living. Yes. Um, and it gets back to, uh, I, I, it gets back to how much demand is there for their services. Mm. Now, I know for a fact that this particular organizer turns down jobs because they're so, wow. they're so good. Okay. Um, um so that would that would mean that hmm, there there aren't enough high quality you know top level organizers mm -hmm. who can do what they do and you know you there would, the industry would benefit from some standardized training. Mm. Um, on the other hand, right, you go to a uh, tier or two down and people are, you know, organizers are struggling to find enough work. Right. So it all comes down to whether you know what the demand is in the market. Um, if there's a lot of demand, then of course it benefits everyone to have standardized training and you know help as many people as you can because um you know uh, you're not you don't feel like you're losing out but i feel that at, at different tiers of and especially at the lower tiers of esports it is kind of you know um still unfortunately a zero-sum game so mm -hmm. if if that guy gets the event that means most likely he took it from me or you right. feel that he took it from you, and that that's food and money all out of out of your wallet and mm. stuff. So, um, hence, it's it's still tribal. Mm. Um, I do feel it's very tribal right now. Okay, one problem I sensed from that was that esports itself is top heavy in terms of players. Um, you know, the best of the best players earn the majority of the shares that players all over the world earn. But I'm sensing that it's also true for organizers. Would you say so? Would you say so? Mm, I would say, um, actually, I would kind of disagree. With that. I, okay. I, I would say at all levels, there aren't enough quality organizers. There just aren't. Mm. Um, and when I say quality, you know, if you were to, you know, this is just my thing, right? If yeah. if you were to tick off a few criteria for quality organizer, you know, the first is, you know, production. Are they able to do production properly? Okay. Are they able to do tourney ops properly? Are they able to do promotion properly? Are they able to do biz dev properly? Mm. Right. You know, just off the top of my head, those are four criteria. Um, and certainly, you know, at, at different levels, people have different levels of skill yes. in each one of those, but, but at all levels, they need to be able to do all four, um, at some level of competence. And, um, I would say that 
there are very few organizers that can actually do all four of those well. Mm. Um, and as a result, you have very uneven um, executions out there. Right. Some tournaments are really well run and some tournaments are just absolutely terrible. Right. Um, and I think where that really rubber hits the road is um, when tournaments are sponsored, the people that are paying for it get an uneven experience. <laughs> right. Yes. So, you know, it, it's kind of luck of the draw. Did I happen to choose an organizer who ticks all four of those boxes? If I did, then I'm going to feel like I got value from it. Like, mm. If I did not, then I'm going to be like, what the heck? That really wasn't well, that money wasn't well spent. No. Um, and that's the problem, right? You don't know. I mean, unless you've, you're have you really, really, really in the industry and you've been around a while and you've kind of seen enough executions from different organizers that you kind of know the skill level of each one. And then somebody happens to ask you for a recommendation and you say, okay, based on what you want, you should talk to them. Mm. As, an, as a sponsor, as a client, you're just shooting blind. Mm. right so you just don't know who to pick like a you don't know who these people are right there's no there's no directory of organizers that you can right there's no rating agency where you know i could these guys are highly rated blah 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 so you're really like a can i find them and then b if i happen to find somebody are they really you know able to do what i want them to do so it's two folks then and and so yeah and what that means is you have I, I think you have uneven execution, which means that certain clients are unhappy, which means that they don't come back. Yeah, that's what we fear. So, um, and and you know, my own uh, the on the other hand, on the other side, you know, we speak to a lot of um, endemics and non-endemic sponsors, and you know, you get a wide variety of stories from, which is just indicative of this unevenness in execution. Um, yeah, some of them have real nightmare stories, <laughs> right? Uh, they're like, wow, this is really hard. I had to get involved and I had to do this. And I had to do that. And you're like, well, you know, that's not something you as a client should really have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to, they, their responses. I had to, because the, the organizer wasn't doing it. So that's bad. Right? Do you know any of those companies? I mean, do you talk to any of those people who have I do. nightmares? Yeah. That's how I know the stories. Maybe one of uh, these days we should bring them on, Alan. Uh, I'm not sure they want to share it, but who knows? I, maybe we can all learn from that. Maybe, um, you know, we could we could ask we could ask try. them. I mean, yes. you know, not name names and stuff. Of course, of course. Maybe they could share their experience and what yeah. their expectations are of a of an organizer. Yeah, because um, at the end of the day, what we want to do is try to figure out a balance. Try to figure out a way. Uh, of how all the parties involved in, I guess, an esports project, be it a, a tournament, a, a grand event, uh, we want all the parties involved to be happy, right? And what's happening right now is there isn't a st- well, again, it, there isn't a standard on what uh, the baseline happiness is like for each party. When I say baseline happiness, I mean a, a basic requirement that they would have to meet for them to be happy with the money they spent and stuff like that. So that question would be very interesting, right? How do you find these people and how do you know they're good? And the fact that we don't have an answer is very interesting, meaning that there's opportunity to be had in that specific element of this yeah, I mean, there's so much that needs to be um, done in the esports ecosystem. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it, like proper ratings. Uh, I mean, you know, t- it, it, you think of any service that you would use in your normal life. Let's say I'm looking for a plumber. Right. Right. And then, you know, I'll go on Google, go search plumbing services bunch of people will come up and um there's a whole bunch of you know it, it's very likely that they'll be rated by some body someone, or something yeah <laughs> someone right either you yeah. know google or you know some other company is you know plumberratings.com i don't know but um or yelp or whatever right so you, you'll probably be able to do a little bit of due diligence 
notes and on on that particular plumber and decide, okay, yeah, it looks like he's pretty good or she's pretty good. Maybe I'll I'll I'll, I'll use them. But that for esports, that just doesn't exist. Yeah, which is interesting. I imagine imagine you've got a million dollars, like just the dream. I've got a million dollars to run a big ass, you know, esports competition. Right. Who should I, who should I use? There are a few names, but. It's... But would you like? Yeah, it, yeah. Let's say you're Coca Cola. Would you know who these right, people? Right. Right. Or or yeah. forget Coca Cola. Coca Cola would have an agency. Of course. Right. A marketing yeah. agency yeah. that would do. Do they know? Mm. I will bet you. You know. Dollars to donuts that the majority of the agencies have no freaking clue. Mm-hmm. And they would start knocking on asking other agencies and asking other people, oh. like, who, who can do this stuff? Right. Who can do this stuff? Right. right. Um, and maybe they'll get the right people and maybe they will. Oof. That's the same question. Scary, right? Scary. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how it's still a very inherent occurrence in the industry i thought we would have figured that out by now um yeah we haven't we haven't shit we haven't so i mean that's an opportunity of course right? i mean for somebody listening out there like yep. you want to start doing that um it's an opportunity i i think though you know it, again it gets back to us in the industry as well we need to want that oh yeah and we need to participate in it. like mm-hmm. if someone said i you know hey i'm creating for esports and um would you mind signing on and getting rated for it mm-hmm. um you know that's a that's kind of a scary thing right right do i really want to subject myself to ratings that other people can see <laughs> it is scary yeah right so that could be bad for me that's true and yeah so maybe i don't so you see how hard it is to kind of get this thing started it is because some parties um, wouldn't want that to happen because then they can stay in the low, right? And and so they don't have to be faced with the challenges that comes with, you know, you being rated by the public. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think part of it is, again, um, you know, are we mature enough as an industry right. to um, see the value in this and need it? And I, I, I think ultimately it gets back to demand. <laughs> and there's just, unfortunately, there, you know, as far as esports come, I don't know that we are at that point where the demand is high enough that people are like, yeah, absolutely. I see the benefit in this. Like I can just get more business by having a high rating um, on this particular service. Right. I, 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 yeah, I don't know that, that we're at that point yet. And it's interesting because it comes back to the first thing we discussed about what the viewers want. Maybe because we haven't figured that out even now, we kind of are in a limbo. Um, Because if we're talking about, let's say, Coca-Cola or any other brand, they have objectives, right? And if they don't know what the viewers want, which ultimately are the target... Uh, for these companies or brands they won't know what to do and at the same time they also don't know who to look for so it's, yeah. it's a multitude of problems just look i i'm gonna i'm gonna make it even more complicated please um, i love that <laughs> uh yeah i don't know if people listening like that but it, it's so an organizer i i think an organizer's job is the hardest job in sports I think it's the least appreciated and it certainly isn't the most profitable. It's really hard to make money as an organizer. So if you're an organizer out there, first I want to say I respect the crap out of you, what you do. Um, And I know that it's a, it's a really tough job. Like you don't, it's thankless, right? No one knows who organized, you know, worlds. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you know? I have no idea. No. But, but, you know, yeah. running, filling that stadium and running it Ooh. and a big stage and all that. Oh that is God. crazy amount That's of work. Just, I, I, it scares the shit out of me yep. even thinking about it. That's but somebody crazy. did it and hats off to So, but, but to complicate things is it's not, you have multiple stakeholders you have to balance against. So we talked about the Coca-Cola's. Absolutely. They're the one paying and, and you have to make them happy. 
and they have objectives like engagement, reach, all of these things. And you as an organizer need to kind of figure out what it is that they're aiming for and try and deliver that to them, Mm -hmm. right? Through whatever execution that your event that you're putting on. Mm -hmm. But that's not all, right? Then you've got the players who are also very demanding. That's true. um, Who, you know, and especially if it's a semi-pro or pro tournament, right? They have their own objectives as well, oh, yeah, and they have they their do. own expectations, mm. and you have to take care of them. Mm. That's not all. And then you've got the viewers, right? Yep. Who have their own expectations and needs, and you have to cater to them. So they're like a b- multiple, multiple stakeholders that you have to juggle and make happy, and they're trade-offs. Like I talked with one organizer who was like, "Look," um, and and it was a sponsored sponsored event. Wow. And we were, we were, you know, we, we were helping to put, we put it together. We brought the sponsor and all that stuff. So they were saying like, you know, Hey, my primary goal is to make the community happy. Okay. Right. I, I, and, and therefore, you know, X, Y, Z thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to remind them, okay, that's fine. But there's a guy paying you too. That's right. And they have things that they need. Right. In a, in, in a sense, they're your client. They, I mean, they, you know, Literally, they are your client. The organizer th- saw the community and the players as their client. You see how the difference is? That's right. And so if they cater everything to them, they're like, you know, um, the, cl- you know the sponsor should be happy that the community is happy. And that's what they should be paying for. And I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe. But, but, you know, that's, uh, you know, you, you have organizers with a very clear focus and a clear view and a clear um and they're a clear perspective of what they think esports should be. Mm. And, and I, I guess, and that's, but they also need to be clear that there are other perspectives that they need to cater for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, then they're not going to be successful. Right. Um, so it's very hard to be an organizer. Um, and, and maybe it's sometimes they don't have that perspective because they just, uh, they don't have any background in it. Like they've never worked for a large company, so they don't know what a large company wants. Yeah. But they came from the community, and so they have a very clear commu- idea of what the community wants and needs. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it's like these criteria that an organizer needs to check off. There are a lot of boxes, oh, man. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Well, it sounds like the problem isn't really the organizer not knowing what the object oh well that's part of it not knowing what the objectives or the goals of the sponsors are but i think that can be easily solved by someone who knows how to connect those because the organizer who comes from the community they have value tremendous value because they, oh yeah they connect with the players it's easy to rally the players around the brand or the sponsors right but how do you connect that that is the question yeah, um, you know, and, and I think that's something we do at Meta, right? We, yes, we, definitely. We are able to, um, you know, one of the things we're able to do is to see all sides and understand it. And, mm-hmm. and, and having been on multiple sides to kind of know um, what the minimum levels are for all of these, right? Well, what, what, you know, what do we have to do for to make the sponsor happy? What do we have to do to make the community happy? What do we have to do to mm-hmm. uh, make the viewers happy and others? Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think that's just that's that's an important skill, um, and it can be taught. It can be learned. Wow. Well, the harder question then, Alan, are you willing to teach that? <laughs> oh, I'm happy to. I do it on a daily basis. Interesting. Because right. we you talked about that. how, of course, on, I we've do. talked about. We, I, I guess, know, I know. know. <laughs> I'm so, just teasing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm happy to. It's just like I can only. It, it again. It. I think esports, or at least in the, especially in the organizer world, it, it's like the old kung fu films, right? Right. That you grew up watching, like, oh, okay, you have a master, and he yes, has yes. a couple of disciples, and yep. they pass it on, and they pass it on. It's like, oh man, that's cool. Makes for a great movie, but that makes for a shitty industry. Exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, uh, yes. who do you learn from? Oh, I learned from Cho, the yeah. of the Singapore school or whatever, right? Style. Mm. And, and you know, that, that, that doesn't scale, man. I mean, no. 
you can't produce enough professionals to service the industry using mm -hmm. that method, mm -hmm. right? You need to you need to mass produce the skill set is really wow. what you need to do. Ooh, an online course for that is very attractive right now, Alan. Now, <laughs> I, I think the expertise out there, and it's it's interesting. Like we're we're thinking we're experimenting with okay, that too, like That's education. But okay. but here's the thing, right? Yeah. And this is the thing I don't I don't know, right? Okay. Nobody in the industry knows yet. Like, if you created that course, would people pay for it? Mm. Would they pay? to to take that course because in the end that's what it's about right? right if you create a course you need you need people to enroll and of course hey because that's how you make your living right so and you know that's kind of the the uber question about esports what will people pay for what will people pay for what will people pay for if i do this awesome training course will people pay for it will enough people pay for it i, I don't know I, I know that there's a need for it, but, you know, are there people willing to pay for it? Mm. Man, how, how we would love to have the answer to that. I, I think, you know, it's only going to, um, um, it'll, it'll naturally, that question will get answered. So, I mean, people will put, um, and they already are. There are companies that are out there that I think are producing educational content for esports, different forms of it. Right. And um, you know, the market will determine whether which ones are, if the market is ready, and uh, which ones will be successful. Um, I do feel though that um, you know if the way the marketing of it is really important. Mm. Um, marketing of it yeah like okay so let's take a hypothetical uh let's say um you know i write down all my thoughts on this stuff and put okay. it into a nice format and yep yep you know it's a course and it's a four-week course and it's all done and dusted mm -hmm. and you just throw it out there um do i think that um you know that that'll be successful um no, I don't, because mm. no one knows who I am. Mm. Right? You get what I'm saying? Yes. Like, so um, why should I listen to this guy? That's right. Uh, you know, I, I don't. So, you know, the marketing of it is important. So, having now, if say, like, uh, I don't know, you take a really well known streamer or a well known uh, team or something like that. Mm. that to endorse it or actually do it themselves. And I think they have an audience mm -hmm. that, that might pick it up. And so, yeah, it, it makes it, it's not, it's not just a thing of, it's not just knowledge. It's the ability to tell people out there that this knowledge exists and that it's legitimate and you should come. Right. Out. Right. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. That makes a lot. Yeah, of you sense. need, you need a bullhorn. You need somebody yes. with a big enough bullhorn to, to reach yeah yeah um, and that's that's a function either of um, knowing the right people or it's a function of uh, money money yeah yeah because that's still very tough to do even if you know like that's the step like how do you even go about starting towards that direction right like finding someone who has a big enough bullhorn and then convincing them that hey yes i'm legit please share what i do with the world like how how do you even start with that alan um it's actually uh, for me um if you you know if, if if resources weren't an issue then it's fairly straightforward right okay. you just kind of go hire a whole bunch of people <laughs> right to promote it for you right um and and you know get the word out that way and then you know that's how you get it started um if you don't have those resources then it becomes harder mm. uh, you have to kind of organically grow that word of mouth um, which can right. be done and you know to some extent that's what we do at meta as well and that's yeah. why it's been 
a challenge for us. We don't have a huge amount of resources to kind of bullhorn our way through. And so we kind of do little things with the community and grassroots it up. And that takes longer and it's a lot more work. Um, so, you know, and then there's maybe middle ground um, where you do a combination of both. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I said this before, I do believe that esports is community based and community driven. And that if you provide something valuable to the community, um, they'll help you spread it to some extent. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. The, but I think the other thing is um, you have to be cognizant. Like when we're talking about, there's one thing about spreading the word and then the other is converting, meaning people yeah, paying. That's right. And I think there's a, a fundamental reality, um, an inconvenient truth out there is that some people can't afford to pay. Mm -hmm. um, not all people, as, and we live in Southeast Asia, so it's, you know, um, you know, when I was at Blizzard, <laughs> the people in the U.S. would ask me, why, why won't, you know, why can't we sell, uh, you know, more boxes of Diablo 3? Um, and I'm like, because you're charging 60 bucks for it. That's why. And like, what? Like, you sold them a gazillion copies in the U.S. and Europe. And I'm like, well, yeah, but we're not Europe. Hmm. Right? Uh, first of all, people don't have credit cards. Uh, and the second is 60 bucks is a lot of money for a it lot is. of people. So um, I think business model matters too. Mm. So how do you, the question is like, hmm, okay, if you did, did this training and who are you tailoring it for? If you're tailoring it for Southeast Asia, it's a very different business model than tailoring it for Western markets. Um, and I think that's a big consideration as well. And I, I think, um, you know, I, I feel like it, there has to be a way to do it for, for regions like Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, I think free to play was an incredible gaming innovation brought that kind of democratized, um, gaming right. for, for, you know, uh, a lot of parts of the world. You mean the freemium model? The, yeah, the, the free-to-play, freemium, you know, uh, cosmetic, whatever you want to call yeah. it. That business model was good for gaming and that it opened up a larger audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you need that type of innovation for esports too. Even now. Um, oh, yeah, even now. All right. In, in, in the reverse, right? Everything's free in esports. Now you got to figure out a way that How to, people pay. Yeah. But that's the tough part, right? People are so used to it. We talked about this in the very first episode, I think. Yeah. Damn. How the hell do you make people pay? I don't think you make them pay. Oh, I think right, you just right. need to give them options. Options. Yes. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I do believe then, that. Right. Like, I, I don't think it's ever a good idea to... Even if you give them options, sometimes people do give options, but it's kind of veiled, you know, in, in th it's thinly veiled selling. Like, I'm not sure how, how I can put this forward in a good way. Uh, you don't, you act like you don't sell, but you are actually selling and kind of forcing people to buy. Does, I, that, I, does that make sense? I take a different tack to that. Okay. Um, I, I think people are really smart, especially, yeah. you know, gamers. Mm -hmm. um, you just tell them, like, yeah. hey, th I, I, this is something to buy. <laughs> and, right. and then try to be more like, hey, th this is how we make our living, man. Yeah. If you like what we do and you want us to continue doing it, mm -hmm. help us out. Buy this. Yes. No, I'm right. saying that is the approach that I would go for. Uh, but I think there are still those uh, that does it differently and gives you a sort of a, a vibe that I don't think uh, connects with the community, with the viewers, and with the audience. Um, what would you say is the right approach, if there is any? I don't See again, we we don't know if there's any right approach, um, but I don't uh, think there's a right approach. I think there's a fair approach. Okay. Um, you know, let's go back to you know games themselves. Mm. 
um, you know, you've got the uh, box model, license model, pay once, play forever. Yep. Okay. Um, that's, that's, there are people who don't like it mm. for sure, mm. but it's pretty fair. Right. Mm. I pay once and I get to play for, I get it. It's simple. I understand. Um, I may not be able to afford it. I may not like it. I may not think I get enough value out of it, mm. but it's understandable and it's pretty fair. Right. Um, and then you have, um, you know, I, I think what, what is, uh, compare that to say the free to play model where it's free to download, free to play, but then there are ways they monetize mm. and that's where it gets great. And some ways are, are very transparent, right? Let's take from Hearthstone. Okay. Like, okay. You know, you got to buy the card packs, right? Yeah. Um, and that's how you kind of acquire cards. And then we try to make it, or they try to make it fair where, oh, you can, you can grind, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And get the cards. So you don't have to, you, you, you can in a particular world, never ever pay a cent and, and enjoy the game. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and there are people who really dislike it or the people who like it, but it's very clear. But then there are other games where it's not clear at all exactly, <laughs> you know, or 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 they they uh, you know get you into a certain thing and then they pay gate, you know, they they wall yes. it off. Their pay gate, gate. yes, That's right. And, I mean, there are all sorts of there's pay to win where yep. you know certain items OP and I just get yep. I, I, if I can pay for it, then I just you know kill everybody. That's pay to I, win. Yeah, that doesn't strike me as very fair. Yes, and I think that that you know, it doesn't go over super well with yeah. a lot of the community, right? Now, of course, there's some people who love it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I think there's no right or wrong answer, right? There's always some people yeah. who hate it and some people who love it. But I think there are fair ways to do it, transparent ways to do it, and right. less transparent, less fair ways to do it. Okay, so I guess um, let me ask this last question regarding that. Which model is right for esports? For you, I think the transparent, fair one is mm. is probably the right model. Um, simply because the audience is um, fairly knowledgeable. Yes, they're about smart. they're smart, um, but and so I think if you but but they don't know everything, mm -hmm. right? Like I said, they don't necessarily understand. You know, for example, like an organ, like there's an organizer behind the scenes, yeah, and that doing all that stuff that they see is actually pretty complicated. That's requires right. a lot of time and a lot of work, mm -hmm. and that that people need to make a living, right? Yeah. Doing that stuff so that they can enjoy it. Um, so I think there's a, a level of transparency that you need. To say, look, this is what it takes to put on an event, mm -hmm. and I don't have a sponsor, and the game company is not paying me to do this. I am right. doing this because, you know, I love doing it, but mm -hmm. I also would love to, you know, make a living. Stay off alive. It. Help me out by, you know, whatever it is, paying a reg fee or whoever, whatever it might be that you want to monetize. Um, and, and some people are going to not want to do it. And, but, you know, at least they understand that what goes on behind the scenes and that what it takes to actually make um, esports happen. And I, I think that's a, that's what needs that. So there's a little bit of transparency, and then on the people on the side that on the side of the people who are asking for money, and on the other side, people who are watching. You understand that shit isn't free. And if I really, really, you know, um, believe in esports, like esports, love esports, enjoy watching it, think it's a worthwhile form of entertainment, then I should. Um, not should, but hopefully there are enough people will be willing to pay a, a fair price for it mm. to, to see it going. Cause that's how, um, that's how businesses work. That's how industries work. Every ind industry is exactly the same. And they find that, that give and take and, um, a model for, for, for paying for value. Paying for value. Ooh, that is important. How long do you think we'll get there, Alan? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we need to get there. I mean, for, in for our, for at least you and I, we need to get there pretty quick. Pretty quick. I mean, there are different ways to do it. 
Okay. So I know we're getting to the end of the time. Maybe it's just a, a, a conversation for the next podcast. Sure. But you know, the sources of revenue, like what we've right. been talking about for the last you know hour or so, is it's the revenue from the viewers, That's revenue right. from the players. Mm-hmm. But there are other sources of revenue, mm-hmm. like and beyond, and they're obviously the sponsors are one. But the game companies themselves are a source of. That's true. Right. The, a lot of esports right now is funded directly by the game developers. Mm. And there is a world where, you know, they just keep paying and pay more. Right. And then everything that's and, and everything we make, you know, quote unquote free, at least to the viewers and the players, it's still free because somebody else is paying for it. Mm. Um, interesting conversation is, you know, who should pay? Aha. Who should pay? Who that, should pay for esports? That is very, and, and that's a loaded question because that implies obligation. <laughs> um, a lot, right? A lot of things to talk about. That I, I would really love to talk about it. Maybe next week. How about we schedule it? Just say next episode will be on that. Sure. All right. Yeah, we can do that. So, I mean, that will that would that would ex- I think that would expose a lot of listeners to you know kind of how the business works. Yes. And we'd love That's to not necessarily that. clear, I think, to many, many yeah. people. Is yeah. How does this, you know, how does the gaming industry work? Yeah. And it's not even just to the viewers, right? Even people who are in it might not be exposed to a few mm-hmm. of the things yeah. that you might want to talk about, right? I, I think it's very true. You know, we talk with a lot of people in the industry and um, actually sophisticated people from different industries, and they, yeah. they aren't clear on how things work. Yep. Even for me. I'm excited to talk about it just because I know there's going to be a few things I can learn and apply, hopefully, so we can keep doing what we love. All right. Cool. That would be next week, and I think we have a pretty good one today, so let's wrap it up. All right. Hey, thanks, Andy. Of course, always. Any last things you want to say this week? What's happening? What you want to do? No, except I remember last week we left... Hearthstone Esports and where it came from. So I feel like uh, I I made a promise and I didn't follow through this week. So I guess maybe that's next next okay, week now. Next next yeah. People, I, people gotta listen again. Okay so. guys, uh, we're gonna do a better job of. I blame Andy. Promises. He's the one yes, that's supposed to remember this that's stuff. That's true. That's that's on me. That's on me. So, I'm gonna put it yeah. on my calendar right now. Uh, next next week is gonna be about Hearth Hearthstone Esports. Am I right, Ellen? Ellen? Yeah, yes. I mean, it's probably not the whole episode. It's probably like a five or ten minute story. Okay, but yeah, it's um, an interesting story. It is, and I have uh, jotted it down on my calendar, so I will not forget it anymore. So a promise is made, and it shall be delivered in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No worries. That's it for today. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I'll link down our profiles in the description. And of course, if you have any thoughts, any ideas you want to share with us, feel free connect with us and we can talk about stuff and we love talking about stuff don't we ellen oh yeah yeah Um, i want to get some questions at some point from people that's right that'd be great yeah we're we're gonna have to figure out how we want to do that we will all right for now it is goodbye bye guys see ya